All right. Before the episode starts, just want to clarify one thing. I'm an idiot, and I did not have my professional microphone plugged into my computer during the whole episode. Just found out right as I'm editing this right now at 1 a.m. The sound quality is still good. It might not be what you guys are used to hearing, but I apologize in advance. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Uh, but you guys enjoy the episode, and uh, let me go ahead and welcome on Tim Elko. We won a national championship for, for Ole Miss and um, all the past players and all the fans across the country and for the state of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi. Uh, we did it. Uh, we're national champs. Breaking ball. Oh, my goodness. Deep right field. A grand slam. Base hit. Arkansas. Tommy White. First pitch swinging. In the air to center. D'Onofrio back and it's gone! The legend continues! Got him swinging! The Campbell Campbells, the dynasty of the Big South. And now Tony Vitello bumps the third base umpire. Set. He'll throw that as a line drive in the gap. Did he do it again? It is another ball in the gap for Morrell. Another extra. Oh, that is gone. A home run for Brian Morrell. Swing and a ball driven. Way back. And foul. No, gone. He did it. Ortiz kept it just bare and walks it off with a grand slam. All righty. What's up, college baseball fans? Welcome to the weekend number three recap episode of the 11.7 podcast. Got myself and Dimitri here to break down all of the biggest weekend action with the top series going on around the country. We're going to highlight some of the outstanding players that had incredible performances this weekend, um, as well as maybe take back some things we said earlier in the season and maybe maybe mix in some hot takes here and there. So um, this episode is brought to you by our friends at Yakker Tech. You guys all know Yakker Tech and how they've been a big help, not only for us in the college baseball season, but programs around the country helping develop their players and produce analytics and stats in real time. Um, so we can share it with fans. We did it with, I believe, another uh, Jack Caglione home run this weekend. And uh, they're just great. They're great for the sport and they're really good partners of ours. So Thank you to Yakker Tech, who is our sponsor also for the mid-major top 25. Ooh, I'm sorry. Mid-major power rankings. We don't want to get sued, do we, Dimitri? Apparently, yeah. we would get, apparently we would get sued if we said mid-major top 25 because – If we if we ignored him, right? Like if we he asked us and we stopped, right? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Some college, ba- or college basketball uh, media site has it trademarked or something. So mid-major power rankings – uh, where we rank the top 25 non-Power 5 teams, which we'll talk about here in just a second. Um, we're going to recap the weekend series Pick'em and how we both had disappointing showings from our weekend series Pick'em. 
Um, we had a couple good people go six and zero, I believe, this week, and we'll give them shout outs. Uh, we also want to. Oh, let me do this here real fast. Let me let me send some shout outs to some Patreon members. Every week, or actually every episode, I've been uh, shouting out a few Patreon members at a time, just so that we can show our appreciation back to you know their contributions to our podcast. And you know we have, I believe, 170 now. I've been doing about 10 an episode. Um, I'm going to start right here with, let's just start here with Chris. No last name, just Chris. Whoever you are, Chris, thank you so much. Uh, we have Nick O'Brien and that BRM, A. Duns, David Hernandez, Matthew Davis, Nick Montel, wow, this is a tough last name. Nick Montalbano. Thank you, Nick, for your contributions then there. Tim Riley, Creighton Davidson, Coach Schoon, and Will Heflin. Really, really appreciate you guys for you know, signing up for our Patreon. And if you guys haven't signed up yet, definitely recommend joining just because you get access to our Discord channel, which has been a lot of fun to interact with other college baseball fans across the country and you know, kind of get some inside scoops or viewpoints of different, different people following their college baseball team. Because correct me if I'm wrong, Dimitri, when it comes to college baseball, there's very few people that pay attention, you know, countrywide, but there's a lot of just diehard fans for their individual team. So we get to learn about the teams a little bit by talking with them. And, you know, we want to hear about your favorite team. So um, if you join our discord, you'd be more than happy to discuss things going on in your college baseball life. Anyways, um, this episode is also, also brought to you by Circa, Circa Sportsbook. Uh, they're, they're, sponsoring a huge grand prize for our Patreon members that are signed up for the weekend series pick and competition, giving away a three night stay at their luxury um, sports book casino with a rooftop pool and the sports book on the rooftop with the pool. It's, I don't think any, anything else like that in, uh, in Vegas. So the winner of our weekend series pick them and our survivor contest will get a three night stay in a nice room and all drinks and food accounted for, I believe. So I'm um, really happy to have Circa there. And there's always good value at Circa for futures bets. We were talking about this last episode, but UC Irvine going into this weekend was still 190 to one odds to win the College World Series. They just went and swept Arizona State on the road. That's a good team, man. And you know, maybe you can get to a point where you can hedge later on. Uh, but you know, who knows? It's a long season left. Anyways, I've talked enough. Dimitri, what's going on, man? You've uh, you killed it again this weekend on Twitter. You, you've pissed a lot of people off, too. A lot of people aren't happy with uh, some of our posts about, you know, maybe ruffling the feathers of uh, their favorite team. Um, so. I mean, well, first of all, we are, we are here to have fun. Like, we don't hate teams. We are just as big of fans of the sport and, and like, Growing up, I don't like Florida State, and I don't like Florida. Like, I don't like them. I'm not going to try to hide it from anybody that I don't like them. I don't like them. Like, it is what it is. Every fan base has teams they don't like, they don't like. But we try to be as – we, we, we say we try to be as unbiased as possible. We try to be unbiased. But at the same time, we like to have fun and show our personal fandom of the sport and the team that we, have, we like more than others. Like if you have if you have an issue with that, like it, 
I, I don't know what to say. Sorry. Like maybe this isn't the right podcast or the right community to be a part of because we want to have fun with you guys just as much as you guys want to have fun with us. So and, and hey, I want to add to that. On the other hand, it makes it a lot more entertaining, right? If 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 we were just boring college baseball reporters that had to be unbiased about everything and just report what we saw, it wouldn't be entertaining. It wouldn't be fun. But when we're trying to ruffle the feathers or we're trying to, you know, root for one team over another, it really just adds to engagement. And, you know, you really start seeing people, con uh, you know, reply to tweets and conversate with one another. It makes it more fun because in life, people talk about two things. They talk about things that they love and talk about things that they hate. And really in the sport of college baseball, you don't get much of that. You get a lot of people just talking about either what's going on or just talking about things that they love. But every once in a while, you got you to gotta spice it up and talk about some things that maybe you hate or disagree with. And I think that's what we're getting out of our fans. We're, we're breaking the college baseball community out of their comfort zone and really just either defending their team or maybe trying to, you know, go after another fan yeah, base like i don't know yeah i mean like for example like um this weekend we we all podcast last podcast we were like clemson had absolutely no chance clemson had no chance we we did say that clemson wasn't going to get swept we said they'll win a game but we were nervous this shit we're like oh my god oh my god clemson's gonna win the series so we threw out a reverse jinx strategy and said um you know that uh, I like don't remember what congrats I Congrats to Clemson for winning the series when they oh, were yeah, yeah, yeah. three we to nothing a, on Saturday. We're men of integrity. We're going to get out in front of the situation. What ended up happening was one thing came true and saved our ass. The other thing did not come true. We screwed UCF over. They got they got they got screwed. So like that's <laughs> hey, the, the, fun the reverse part. jinx. The reverse jinx stays undefeated, man. You, you gotta you gotta pick and choose when you want it and when you need it. And, and we weren't rooting against Clemson because we don't like them. We were just so strong on South Carolina is going to win this series, no doubt, yeah. that we didn't want to look like idiots. So you got to pick and choose, but everybody knows about the Ben Upton jinx. It happens every single year. Every time I start rooting for a team, every time I think that a team is really good and I'm like, hey, put them in Omaha, they just let me down. And they, they go on this ice cold, ice cold streak. It happened yeah. this weekend with Florida State. I've been talking about Florida State being an Omaha team. They go lose two out of three against Florida Gulf Coast this weekend, and they probably should have – maybe not should have been swept, but they could have been swept. Their pitching was atrocious. So I'm sorry, Florida State fans. I, I reversed – I didn't reverse jinx you, but I did jinx you. My bad. Yeah, and I mean – and and don't get me wrong. I know what a passionate fan base is like. I'm, I'm a Miami Hurricane football fan. We are – we are a degenerate fan base when it comes to talking and being obnoxious and being hated and all that stuff. I know, I know what it's like, but like, like for example, tonight, I don't know how many Tennessee fans we have or um, listening, but I, tw I posted a video that I thought, you know, people would be interested in seeing with, you know, Blake Burke um, foul tipping and Gondaga pitcher getting ejected. I saw it and I said, Oh wow! Like, like, but that, that's like this guy just hit him in the back of the calf. Like that's really weak. Like, like seriously. And Burke like says something to him. That's what I saw. So I posted, and everyone was like, "Oh, oh, the contact, the contact. Don't you like? Of course you leave out the contact." And I'm like, "What are you guys talking about?" Because in the live broadcast, it goes from 
ball dug out straight to the pitch, like in the, in motion. And I'm like, what are you guys talking about? So I, I, go, I go back. I keep looking. I don't find anything. I go back again. Like three or four minutes later in the broadcast, they do a – you know how they sometimes do a quick cutback to as part of their their discussion? Yeah. It shows yeah. a clip of the guy going through his windup. And I'm like, guys, we don't hate Tennessee. We like Tennessee. We Like, we like this stuff. We like, both picked him to win the SEC. <laughs> Like we like them, we like Vitella, we like what they bring to the table. Florida, um, Caglione flicks somebody off. They break the U. Do I like it? No, I I hated it, but you know what? I love it because it's the emotion, it's the energy that basketball and football get that baseball doesn't get all the time. So that, I like it. Just but just because we posted or shared or talk about it doesn't mean we hate your team. I mean, <laughs> I love the Tennessee fans that were coming at us being like. Well, we can clearly see you weren't watching the game. You have no idea what's going on. Like, yeah, no duh, we weren't watching the game. You guys were up 8-2 to two in the third inning against Gonzaga. There were so many other good games going on at that time. I'm sorry we don't have 50 television screens and 30 interns working for us. It's just you and me. And I was like, yeah, no duh, we weren't watching. In Tennessee, you guys score a touchdown like every other inning against Gonzaga. Yeah. But it goes to prove, and much of people hate Tennessee – Look at look at how many people get so angry about them, even if it's a nothing burger. They get so <laughs> angry, and I'm like, "What? Like this is good for the sport. This yeah. is good that people don't like you because that means they're worried about you. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're worried about you. They're concerned about you because they know you're good. And so, and hey, I want to I want to I want to give a shout out to Gonzaga's pitcher. I'm not going to say his name because I don't want to like bring him maybe good or bad publicity, but Tip my cap to that guy. He was getting shelled that game, and he knew he was he about to get easy way out. <laughs> he knew he was probably about to get pulled, and he's like, "You know what? I'm going to quick pitch uh, Blake Burke." And you know, he fouls it off, and he says something to me. I'm going to say something back, and then I'm just going to get back on the mound and hit him in a in a reasonable spot. You know, in the calf, probably the, the way, best place to get hit. At. I feel like I feel like it wasn't on purpose. He tried yes, to throw it his was. Heart. Yes, it was. Dude, he missed big time. If it was on purpose. I think he was just trying to throw it as hard as he could in and just yanked it. Maybe, 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 but yeah, I I will say for for all of the, for all of the the listeners that have never played baseball or maybe never stood in a batter's box with a pitcher throwing, let's just say 85 miles an hour up. There's this rumor going on that, no, wait, hold on. Let me finish my thought. This is going to be good. Um, there's a rumor and, and maybe not a rumor, but a old wives, wives tale saying that getting hit in the back or getting hit in the shoulder is the best place to get hit. I will 100% say getting hit in the calf is the best place to get hit. I don't know why I've been hit all over hands, head, foot, ankle, ribs, back, shoulder, hand, uh, forearm. Getting hit in the calf is nothing. It kind of feels like someone just kind of punches it, punches you back there. When people are like getting hit in the back's the best place or getting hit in the shoulder. No, 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 no. That hurts. And and it affects the way you play the rest of the game. Um, so I respect him if he did hit him on purpose, just hit him in the knee, hit him in the calf. It doesn't yeah. hurt that bad. But and the other thing was my initial react like thought process reaction was the pitcher looks worse than Blake Burke didn't really do anything wrong. No. He walked toward him and says something like, Okay, yeah, some people are gonna not be happy with that or not like that, or just go straight down the easy road of oh Tennessee Vols, oh classless program. 
that's the easy tick that everyone likes to do. It is what it is. But I thought the picture looked soft. Like, like I, that's what I, my initial reaction. Then they were all like, oh my God, contact. And I'm like, dude, I'm not trying to make him look bad. Apology. Like, that's not me trying to make him look bad at all. So, um, but yeah, when people come out with, with, with hate and stuff, it's exhausting sometimes. Could you just like, dude, come on. Like, do I have to really explain everything? Like, so it is what it yeah. is. Let's move on. Um, yeah, let's move on here. So we just released our mid-major top 25 like mm-hmm. minutes ago. And this is our first episode we're recording before midnight in probably three years. And I'm excited about that. I know you are too, Dimitri. But some of the big winners this week in, in the mid-major rankings, um, obviously Grand Canyon went in two out of three against Texas State, bumps them up to number two. Uh, Georgia Southern winning two out of three against UCF and probably should have swept UCF uh, was a big standout point for me this weekend. And we'll, we'll dive into that series a little bit more later, but they move up to number four right behind them is Campbell at number five. Campbell goes on the road to a tough environment and, and pretty much handled uh, Louisiana on Friday and Saturday. They got beat up a little bit today, but you'll take that series win. Southern Let's Miss. Slow down. Let's slow down. No, no, no. Listen, hey, we're gonna we're gonna just run through this mid-major top twenty-five, and then we'll break down the series. Not like run through oh, no, all no, of it. No, but... I was just gonna say. I was just gonna say. I'm not gonna say something about every team. I, I know, but um, I want to hit two more teams, and then we can talk about what they did. Oh, in the series. okay, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and and this is a, a live look at me and Dimitri uh, trying to trying to plan out the show as we go. We didn't we didn't run over anything before the show, so we're just raw dog in this one. Uh, but Southern Miss was a big winner. They move up to number six. They swept a really good Dallas Baptist team, which they really needed after playing like crap four games before that. Um, and then, of course, UC Irvine, they, they move up to number eight. And then I think we had three teams move into the rankings. We had um, Northeastern Huskies off to a hot start. Long Beach State winning a game against our number one mid-major team in East Carolina and winning that um, Clark LeClaire um, Classic tournament over there in Greenville. And I thought there was one more team that bumped in. Maybe not. Nope, just two teams. So now, Dimitri, you have the floor. If you want to talk about some teams in depth from Thank the majors, you. Thank you for the, the talk. It's all stuff. you. It's all um, you now, buddy. I think. Uh, I think Grand Canyon. That win. Grand Canyon win was pretty pretty big. That's the first time Texas State has lost back to back series since 2021. I know that's not that long ago, but in reality, losing back to back series is pretty common you have a bad weekend it turns into another bad weekend and i still think texas State's state's a good team i still think they're a good team they they lost on friday after giving up a five run bottom of the eighth blowing a three-run lead and you know grand canyon's a great team they've already beat tennessee this year and i expect them to you know pretty much win the whack but yeah not a terrible series loss but man it would have been nice for them to you know bounce back after losing two out of three to oral roberts two weeks ago and um sorry i cut you off go ahead nope you're good um but yeah like you just said texas state had, had within a great spot to win that series and grand canyon battle and i think it should, that was the kind of theory the win over tennessee wasn't what i really wanted to see from grand canyon i wanted to see them play a good team for a three-game series mm-hmm. and see how they respond and good they responded really well it's a good team um they know how to win small close game. They know how to score when they need to. So it's a good team. Uh, but the one thing I was gonna say that you I stopped, tried to stop you at Campbell was 
Sunday, big question mark, Sunday. They haven't won a Sunday game yet. Oh, is that right? I didn't realize that. They lost Sunday to Rutgers pretty big. They mm-hmm. lost Sunday to – who did they play um, last weekend? I'll tell you right now. Um, but you can't go the whole season just winning Friday, Saturday. Yeah, you got to find a way to win. That's Sunday. not going to help you in a regional or a super regional. Um, they lost – oh, they, they beat Butler in 10 innings. So That's right, yep. They did. Yep, my bad. They lost Sunday to Butler in ten, or they won in ten innings after going beating them nine four twenty five and six. So like, you know that Sunday game it seemed difficult. They gave up a fourteen spot to Louisiana, sixteen spot to Rutgers on Sunday. So that's Sunday they got to figure out because a complete team needs to have a complete weekend. Yeah, I mean that's what separates teams is that move on from regionals to go into super regionals. It's or even hosting. Hosting a regional too. Yeah. And of course they should handle their conference. Like the big South runs through uh, Campbell, but even if they, they slip up on a one Friday or one Saturday and then they can't win on Sunday, they lose a series. That's big for an at large picture potentially, or hosting a regional. If it gets there, it it, Campbell's Campbell should figure out Sundays unless they're just paper thin on the pitching side of things, which they might be. Looks like it. Top guys are just way better than the bottom guys. Anyways, um, so where where did you stop? Continue. No, I was, and then after after that, I was saying Southern Miss showed us a good weekend. That's what that's what they needed. I almost said that's what we needed because we're so high on Southern Miss. And well, I don't see you. I took Dallas Bath and looked like an idiot. Yeah, that's true. And one in five this weekend. That's rough. That's I was more referring weekend. to season long stuff. Like we both thought Southern Miss was going to have a good season. Oh yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And looking at this series after losing three out of four games uh, going into it, they lost to Mississippi State in the midweek, and then lost two out of three against Illinois, and probably should have been swept there. I was looking at it like, wow, this could be a major downturn for this program. Um, and nope, they came back, swept Dallas Baptist. Dallas Baptist could not hit to save their lives. And I'm going to credit Southern Miss's pitchers for rising to the occasion there. It was a, it was a good clean series there. A lot of, it wasn't your, your typical seven home run game. Like we've been seeing a lot of lately. Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, that's a good win. Like, I don't care how you spin it, whatever. You lose against Illinois, come back, lose against Mississippi State, and then sweep this team really good. Um, yeah. And then, so. hey, let's talk about Troy. Troy is still undefeated, 11-0. and They sweep USC Upstate, who beat Clemson in the midweek. A good like, – USC Upstate is a good mid-major team. If They're you take always out, solid. Yeah. If you take out Power 5 and then also let's just take out Sunbelt and Conference USA for right now. If you just really go for like the mid-major, lower, t- lower tier schools, they're always up there in the conversation of, you know, great program year in and year out. And, and Troy handled them. So they're 11-0 this year, ranked number 11 in our rankings. And then Florida Gulf Coast, we can end on this one. What a weekend they had in Tallahassee. They, uh, I mean, that team rakes, man. I mean, I told you being in the year, their lineup is old. Their lineup mm-hmm. is a vet loaded old lineup. And I mean, I thought they were going to be really good this year, but I was impressed. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Not this good. Not this good. And it's funny because Link Jarrett, the head coach of Florida State, 
came out with a statement saying this is the least amount of pitching that he's ever had. Paper thin, or I think he said razor thin pitching, doesn't trust many guys coming out of the bullpen. And other than their two or three weekend starters and, and then Wyatt Crowell, he doesn't know who he can trust. And it proved this weekend that a team like Florida Gulf Coast coming into their home field and winning two out of three and scoring a ton of runs, it might be it, it might be time to start scratching your head if you're a Florida State fan. Like, what is an ACC team going to do? Well, we both have Florida State winning the ACC. We are not dead yet. We are not dead yet. They Dude. took two out of three on the road in Fort Worth. We are not dead yet. Yeah, and that's Pumping weird rate. because their pitching looked outstanding during that weekend. I think it's Florida, Florida Gulf Coast lineup is that ridiculous. I'm telling you right now, their lineup is ridiculous. And you know how it is. You remember Louisiana 10 years ago. They just were, they ended up being what, number one team in the country at one point? Yeah. In 2014. They were, they, they were the number one team in the country. Nobody knew who Louisiana was outside of, you know, the South. This, that team was just absolute monsters at the plate. So it, it's happened before. I'm not saying Florida Gulf Coast is Louisiana esque, but they're a lineup just full of dudes who can hit and they're old and they have confidence. So, mm-hmm. You, you that's kind of what happened. You kind of abuse teams and expose them when you have a line of one through nine that can hit like that. So excited to see um, them battle it out with Kennesaw and Liberty this year in the Atlantic Sun. That's for sure. For sure. Um, so what I'm going to do now is just give you, I'm going to give our audience my three winners from this weekend and my three losers from this weekend. I'm going to start doing this on a weekly basis because we got some good feedback from it. And to be honest, I had five winners that I had to choose from to narrow it down to three. And I narrowed it down to in no particular order, but Louisville going three and zero in the Shriners college classic, big winners there for me. They're off to a great start. And I think this might be Louisville's best club they've had in a long, long time. And you know, probably even better than that 2019 team that went to Omaha. You think so? Yeah, man, they're deep. And they play just really good defense. And they throw strikes on the mound. Three really good pitching performances from them. But anytime you can beat Texas A&M, TCU, and I know Michigan's down, but still beat Michigan and and really just destroy them, that shows me a lot in the neutral site. So Louisville was a big winner for me this weekend. Southern Miss was another big winner. Sweeping Dallas Baptist team that – I don't even know the last time they've been swept. I feel like they've been so good for so long that they probably haven't been swept much in the last four or five years. Uh, You know what's even crazier? Dallas Baptist swept them in Dallas last year. So Southern Miss returned the favor. That's right. Wow, I forgot about that. Yeah, I do remember that because that kind of put Southern Miss's hosting picture in question. People were like, ooh, are they going to – because it was late in the year, right? I don't want to say it was late. It was – Around this time, maybe middle March, but it was it was the gut punch they needed because after that they turned on the jet. Uh, they turned it on after that. My third winner of the week, like I said, it was tough coming out with this, but I'm going to go with a team that nobody was talking about before this weekend, and that was Ohio State winning the Frisco um, tournament. They did go two and one, but beating beating a really good Oklahoma team today also beating Mississippi State on Friday night, that says a lot to me. And there's always been, for all of the listeners that maybe don't follow college baseball in the offseason, 
there's always been like rumors and stuff going around that like, hey, Ohio State's building something. They're starting to invest more in baseball. They're getting, you know, the pitching labs and all this stuff. Velocity is way up. And they just haven't come to fruition yet. But this is a team that can hit and they can pitch. And they're going to give a lot of people trouble in the Big Ten conference play this year. And so shout out to Ohio State for winning that Frisco tournament. I don't know anybody in the right mind that would have picked them to win it. And yeah, so that was my third winner of the weekend. My three losers from the weekend, kind of, kind of obvious teams that had high expectations that just didn't live up to them. I can't think of a better place to start than Maryland. Maryland, after losing two out of three last weekend at Swayze against Ole Miss, I was thinking, you know what? Maybe Ole Miss is just that much better than everybody else, or better than Maryland. Maybe they're just a better team. And I was like, I still have some hope for Maryland. Well, they come into this tournament and get swept, go 0-3 in Minnesota, and they lose to Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, and Hawaii. I think it was Vanderbilt. I don't remember who the, who the second team was. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, it was. They had the lead and blew it and got walked off. Okay, you're right, you're right. But going 0-3 in that tournament and losing to Hawaii today, that's that's not good. And it drops Maryland down to like 4-7 and seven this year or 3-7 and seven on the record. That's not the team that everybody had high up on their preseason polls. And sure, a lot of their losses have come to good teams. They've played a very tough schedule. But this is a weekend where you got to at least go one and two if you're Maryland. Um, I was disappointed in them. But sure enough, they could turn it around this year. Not hitting the panic button yet. Um, my second loser of the weekend was Dallas Baptist. We've already kind of talked on it. But I know going on the road to Hattiesburg is tough. But you got to salvage a win there. You can't get swept because that, that's going to weigh, weigh down their RPI. That's going to weigh down their at-large potential if it comes to that later in the season, the committee can point back and say, well, you guys did get swept. So I don't know. It won't hurt them too bad. Let me preface that. It won't hurt them too bad, but if they would have won a game there, people could have said, ah, if it was at Dallas Baptist, maybe they win two out of three. Uh, and then my third loser of the weekend was UCF coming off an incredible sweep over Clemson last week. High hopes. You're hosting a really good mid-major team in Georgia Southern. And they were really three outs away from getting swept. If John Reese Plumley gets called out at second base, trying to set, stretch that single into a Can we double. talk about that play for a second? Yeah. Like, I don't think people realize how insane that, that little play was. He battled a 10, I want to say like 11 pitch at bat, just jumping at things. Look, looked like a... Just being to be funny here, he looks like a football player trying to hit, just swinging at like pitches all over the place, just barely making contact, battling. And then he pokes something where they weren't, and my God, he flew. He was flying to second base. He I mean, was. I, I, I mean, whether he was out or saved, that's for another discussion. Whatever. The guy single-handedly gave UCF a chance to win that game. He gave him a spark and. It's kind of cool. I, I love seeing football players play baseball because not saying baseball players are unathletic because the game has changed so much and there are some freak athletes in the sport of college baseball. You can be, hey, you can be unathletic and be a very good baseball player. Right. I think I'm a good example of that. I was a pretty, pretty good a baseball lot of people player. Are. Super unathletic. And, but anyways, it's fun seeing these, these freak athletes, these, 
you know, former SEC quarterback, now, you know, AAC quarterback go in there and just show their real athleticism of hand-eye coordination to foul off all those pitches and then bust it out of the box and stretch a bloop single into a double and spark that offense. And they eventually walked it off on Friday night, which was exciting. But after that, UCF's pitching was piss poor, to say the least. And Georgia Southern put up 11 runs in the first inning on Saturday. And they sent their first 11 guys to the plate without an out, I believe. That's that's not good. Um, so UCF was my third loser of the weekend. Just let us down big time. We both picked him in the weekend series pick him. And that was your survivor pick, right, Dimitri? So now you are out yep, of the survivor I'm contest. I'm dead and out. And I think I that thought, leaves I mean, us I with thought. 26 people left in our survivor contest after um, after week three. And we started with over 100. Right around 100, yeah. Um, and you know who's still alive? Yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought, I thought, what? You know who's still alive in the survivor? Me, Southern Miss. Good for um, you. I already told you, congratulations. Like, good for <laughs> you. What are you going to win? What are you going to win? If I want to come out and say, I'm going to come out and say, if I win, I think we should, if I win before week six, I think we should restart it. Everybody gets their entries back. And we should just run it again. But then people can know that I'm the champ. <laughs> I, I don't like that plan. I think you should um, withdraw now. No. I think you should withdraw. I don't want to oh, deal with a few. Something else. So out of the 26 people remaining, my little brother is still alive too. And I'm going to also say if he wins, we're not going to give him the free room and everything because he's just going to stay with me in my room. So it'll it'll add. So really, if you're alive, you have a one in twenty four chance to win this because me and my little brother aren't going to count. We're not yeah. going to steal a grand prize from one of our one of our followers. So right. if if one of us wins, we'll we'll find a way, a fair way to announce a winner. Maybe the last person remaining. Other no, than no, us. it's going to be a tie. No, there's a there's a tiebreaker at the end. I, I told you this. It's going to be you got to pick the correct uh total. You get to pick the total score of the your survivor in the closest to like like total runs on the weekend of a series will be the tiebreaker okay I'm um, down with that. but yeah something fun like that um but speaking about ucf dude i mean like the writing was on the wall that they were going to win this series like they just swept clemson they were high they get to go home maybe maybe i should have seen when they started running down clemson tiger hill Oh yeah, they're gonna get beat next weekend. They're gonna get humbled <laughs> so fast. We should have seen it coming. But I mean, like that team that team looked dominant against Clemson. Like whether Clemson is good or bad, that team looked dominant all weekend. They were raking all weekend. And I thought Clemson gotta have at least equal or better pitching than Georgia Southern. Like they should do it again. That wasn't the case. Um but yeah, shitty weekend, one and five on the pick. I'm I'm out of the survivor. Bad weekend for the bad weekend, bad weekend. Right. But um, bounce back next three, week with a six and zero. Oh, that'd be fine. Yeah, I'll be I'll be right back in it. I'll be back yeah. in it. I did this last year too, or the year before. You were beating me, and I came I came storming back. That was um, two years three, ago. Last I year, my, huh? last year I just dominated you from start to finish. You do, you dominated last year. It was two years ago. Yeah. Um, but my three winners this weekend. I was just gonna finish off what you started. Um. Florida Gulf Coast, no doubt, is a winner this weekend. Mm -hmm. In-state rival, go to their house, 
quote unquote daddy's house and you beat him, that's a winner. That's a winner. Um, I think UC Irvine is a winner in my book. For sure. You go to Arizona State, you sweep them in dominating fashion. I mean, this team is rolling. Uh, so that's definitely a winner. They're dangerous. They're scary looking. They're big. Mm-hmm. Like they're like they just they just give me those vibes. They're like this is a team that you don't want. You don't want this team. Um, I mean, can, I, can, can of- I give you can I give you your third team, your third winner that I really wanted to put on here? It's Long Beach State. Sweeping Going, the sweeping the the tournament, East Carolina. Keith LeClaire, classic, and, and um, that's a big weekend for them. Yeah, and they, and they but, beat East Carolina three to two in a very close game. That's as a, much that's a good team. Don't want, as much as I hate to say it, Florida did go two and one on the weekend. But let me tell you something: that weekend gave them all the confidence they need, and it showed me. That they're they're a top five team in the country. I've been saying that, dude. Everybody called me crazy when I came out. We've both been saying they're really good. I said I said I'm going to be honest. I think I said it before you that Florida was going to be really good, and you're like, you know what? You're right. They are going to be good. That was like I can I can remember the day you did say that. We were prepping for the season, and we were going back through team rosters of like who they've gained, who they're returning, and and stuff like this. And you were like, we were going through the rosters, and you're like, yo, Florida's going to be really good this year. I was like, really? You think so? I was like, I haven't read much about them, and I haven't seen much hype, you know, behind them. And then you told me who they were returning, and, you know, they got Hurston Waldrip from Southern Miss, and it was like, huh, okay. And you were like, Jack Caglione is going to start pitching on the weekends again, and he had a good fall. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm sold. I did a little bit more research, and I was like, but they, like might be, they might be the national champion this year. But I will say, their bullpen, bad. Bad, bad, bad. But but wait, wait, wait. Let, let me finish. So Florida, this weekend they went 2-1, two 2-2, and one, two and two, including the midweek, whatever. This weekend, I mean, Miami's team, that lineup can beat anybody in the country. That lineup is good. The mm-hmm. pitching is atrocious. I told you when on Thursday I didn't want to pick this Miami team because they don't have the pitching to win a weekend series against a legit team. And you, you, you like I should get my win back. I should, I should be two and four this weekend, <laughs> and not one and five. I helped you get a win last weekend, and you stole a win from me this weekend. How is that fair? That is not fair. It's it's competition, baby. I'm just mind. Tra- that is not fair. Uh, anyway, play mind games, yeah, Miami. They just don't have the weekend rotation to compete week in and week out. Like, you, they just don't have it. Um, but that offense and, is fun to watch for Miami. What? The offense is fun to watch for that, Miami. That offense is phenomenal. Blake's here. That guy is going to be legit. Mm-hmm. That can't wait, can't hair, wait to see him playing for Tennessee next year. <laughs> yeah. He would be um, really good there. He would fit in a lot of programs. Um, but anyway – what I was going to say was, yeah, Florida impressed me. That just showed me that they're going to be good. That bullpen, Ben, that bullpen is going to get better and better as the year goes on. Because solely got to keep throwing all the guys fit to find the right ones, to find the good ones. So they're going to get the, all the experience they need. They're going to go through the failures, the successes. He'll, he's going to find them. He's going to build that bullpen right, and it's going to be the, the, the hard way. Trial and error. Um, as long as 
Caglione start looked like that. Waldrip, hey, Waldrip might have given five up, five earned runs. But the guy struck out 14. Like, just nasty. Just He's filthy. somebody that you could see in June being like, oh, is he as good as Chase Dolander? Or like, who's going to be the, like in a top five pick in the MLB draft? I think Waldrip's stock went up tremendously this weekend. Even Here's though he did I give think. up five runs, it was, it was a dominating five runs that he gave up. I think this is a good example of projectability and current. Like if you're a team that you need a guy, like you need a guy to safer side of the pick, like a little bit safer in the draft, you probably lean Dolander yep. or, or um, what's his name? Rhett Louder from Wade. You lean somewhere there. But if you want to take a, sw- a swing for the fence and maybe get a front end starter, Waldrip might be a guy. He might have a four or five ERA at the end of the year with a ton of strikeout and scare some teams off. Like you know, but that right. guy could be your home run swing. That guy could be swinging for the fences. We want a guy. He could be I, a front end starter. I know MLB scouts because I've talked to a few. They've they've completely for college pitchers. They don't care about ERA anymore. They don't care about wins and losses. All they care about is those metrics that Yakertek and. Uh, all these other competing things are are providing spin rate, you know, break, horizontal break, everything that you know about Dimitri, of course, because you're a pitcher. Um, but they're looking for guys that they can fine tune a few pieces and turn them into elite major league starters or at least elite elite major league bullpen pieces. And I think that's what Waldrop has. I mean, his stuff, you tweeted it. It was almost unhittable, some of those pitches he was throwing. I mean, dude, it was it – was. De- Devin Williams, Milwaukee Brewers, airbender type shit. Mm-hmm. Like, it was disgusting. And I don't even like saying many pitches are unhittable. And it's like, like, I feel like you got to earn that. I feel like it's like a, like the word goat is overused. Mm-hmm. Unhittable, nasty. It can't get overused sometimes. But those, those splitter split changes were just disgusting. So mm-hmm. I think Waldrop checked the boxes and the guy, like, hey, this guy, this guy is elite. Um, yeah, but, but even know, in my loser, I was just going to finish up. Um, okay. Go ahead and say where you were, were going to say. I was just going to say it's going to be tough come June to see Brandon Sprout, Hurston Waldrip, and then Jack Caglione back to back to back days in a regional or super regional or even Omaha and not think that Florida is the favorite with the offense that they already have. Every time a Florida hitter steps to the plate, I was like, oh, I could see a home run happening here, or I could see a double. Like those guys didn't swing and miss, and when they when they hit the ball, it was just outstanding exit velocity. You want to know a weekend that I have? I am like super excited for Tennessee and Florida. Tennessee versus Florida. I mean, that is a superstar-studded showdown between two teams. Hold on. Why did I – They, oh, yeah, okay. I was thinking – okay, there it is. April 6th in yeah. Knoxville, two rotation that can match up pretty well. Tennessee's got a little more experience, a little more polished rotation. Florida's got a little more electric, more a little more upside rotation. Tennessee probably got the edge in the bullpen, more polished, more experienced bullpen. Florida, I think, had the edge offensively. And they both, if you saw this weekend, they both like to talk. They both like to oh, church. Oh, yeah. That's, and that's what I was impressed exciting. with. 
And in Florida, this is a different Florida team mentality wise than what we've seen in the past. In the past, they used to go through the motions sometimes and they go get swept at South Carolina or like they, they didn't play the game with passion. These guys know how to, to, to fire themselves up and fire the other team up. It's a, it's a different Florida team than what we're used to. In Miami and Florida series, are you series are usually not this emotional and this dramatic? Like I've been watching them every year. It's usually one team kicks the other team's ass, pretty quiet, pretty mellow. This one was like dr- drama filled, electric. And mm-hmm. that Tennessee Florida match, I'm excited for it. I am. I wish, very excited. I wish we could see a, a LSU versus Florida matchup, but they don't play this year, at least no, in the regular um, season. Maybe in Hoover. Or maybe a super. That's the only way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think that'll ever happen with a super because Florida will be a top eight seed probably, and LSU will be a top eight seed. So mm-hmm. that won't happen. But um, yeah, and then top three losers. Um, I mean, I think Florida State's got to be a loser. They got exposed yeah. this weekend. Maybe, maybe it's a punch in the punch in the mouth. Who knows? Maryland, I don't want to throw in that loser category. Their their schedule's been brutal. They've been everywhere. Um, I think UConn is a winner that I'm making my fourth winner. You said last week. You mentioned on Thursday they have no pitching. They have no pitching. They showed up and showed up in a big way. That was a quote from their coach. Their head coach said that. For UConn? Yeah, he came out and said that he doesn't know who he can trust on the mound, and this is the least amount of pitching. I did not see that. Oh, that's what I was quoting. He said, said, I don't know who I can trust, and this is the least amount of pitching I've ever had. So it obviously fired up UConn staff. He just swooned everybody. He made everybody believe that. I don't. I think they had one or two shutouts this weekend. They dominated. Um, another loser this weekend. Um, I don't really have too many losers. You can take Dallas Baptist and UCF and Maryland, like I did. Maybe I don't want to say Dallas Baptist the loser because maybe they just weren't that good in the first place. Maybe they weren't as good as we thought. So. Because Florida or Florida State had expectations building, like okay, whoa, this team is good after TCU. Mm-hmm. Dallas Baptist was kind of our first. That was our first look, and so let's see what we're getting here. So you, I guess you could throw them in the loser category, but I don't know. I, I didn't see enough from them. Um, I think San Diego was a loser in a big way, getting, getting their ass kicked, swept at Oregon all weekend. Um, you got to win one. You got to you got to win one to save face. Um, and then other losers. I mean, I'm trying to think, Ben. What are some other losers? I I, I only had three. I, I, yeah, I'm, I, I I'm kind of lost on that one. I don't really have three losers. Louisville definitely a winner. Definitely a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't really have any losers quite yet. I think we're still figuring out who teams are. I think Cal. Could be considered a loser. They lost their Friday night guy Friday. Um, but I don't want to say a loser in terms of they're a bad team. They got unlucky this weekend. It was a bad weekend for them. They had the lead early. Starter got hurt. Again, again, was it against Mississippi State Friday? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. Um, it wasn't. It was against Oklahoma on Friday. Yep, you're, that's, that's right. It was Oklahoma. They lost to Mississippi State today. Um. 
yeah, I mean, I think that's pretty much it. UCF definitely a loser. They didn't show yeah. up. Um, so, yeah, that's it on the winners and losers for me. All right. So what I want to do now is just give out a couple player shout-outs, two of the bigger performers of the weekend. Um, let's let's How about this name right here? Just a very fun baseball name. And it's freshman from NC State, Cannon Peebles. It looks like Pebbles, but it's Cannon Peebles. He went six for six with three doubles, two home runs, and 10 RBIs in one game. I saw somebody tweet this, but somebody said, yeah, Tommy White walked so that Cannon Peebles could run. <laughs> I mean, this is the second year in a row we're just getting an NC State freshman superstar. Cannot wait for him to be at Tennessee or LSU next year. Uh, but, yeah, remember the name Cannon Peebles. He had a six-for-six six day, 10 RBIs. That was That's a good month for some people. And then we have Peyton, Peyton Tolley from Wichita State who – Put on his best Shohei Otane performance. Six innings pitch, 10 strikeouts, and then five for five at the plate with a double, a home run, and I think six RBIs. So just do it yourself, big fella. 6'6, 250 left handed pitcher for Wichita State. That's what I Pretty, think of. That's a hell of a weekend. That's a hell of a day. Hell of a day. Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think those are, we can't beat those performances. Yeah, Caglione. Caglione, Caglione, I mean. What does he have, 10 homers? He's been doing it all season. He's been doing it all season, so it's not a spectacular. When he homers and when he pitches and homers in the same game, like goes three for three with like a home run Mm -hmm. and eight and 10K in dominating fashion, that's when you're going to be like, whoa, that's a a hell of a day. So, And I'm sure we missed out on quite a few different players that had great in-game performances. I didn't have the time to look at every single I mean, box score. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm the only. I mean, the home from as far as the home run race goes, I don't remember what the home run pace was like at this time last year. Do you remember? Well, I remember Tommy White hit eight homers in his first seven games, right? Yep, yep, and then he cooled down big time. Yeah, but he still ended the year with 27 home runs, and he's hot again. He hit, he had a two homer game both to right field um, against Connecticut Central State or whatever they're yes. called. Central Connecticut Butler, yeah, State. whoever they were playing. Not Butler. It's always nice seeing him just backside and no doubt home run. It's so tough to do. And he just does it on the regular. <laughs> He's so talented. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We have we have two guys with eight. Jake Tyser at ODU and Brock Wilkin at Wake. Now, Brock um, Wilkins I, has nine now. He hit one today. Nine. Okay. So D1 stats, are, I guess they're – update every night or something but yeah they're um, not updated yet but there's Caglione actually two and people Blake Burke Blake Burke was seven by the way this was the first time I truly was like oh my god he does look like Griffey he does Blake Burke like from Griffey. Tennessee yep. yeah he's had something like 23 home runs and 150 at bats unbelievable and his exit velocity is through the roof man when he squares a ball up I've never seen anything like it he reminds me of like I don't know, not from a swing standpoint, but the ball just jumping off like Jordan Beck when he got a hold of one to left field. Yeah, which they were doing the balls to right field, just absolutely just mm-hmm. disappear off the screen so fast. Um, yeah, Wilkins hitting three sixty nine homers, twenty five RBIs, and Cags is hitting three eighty five, ten homers, and twenty RBIs. So you kind of have a case, you know, Wilkins for Wake Forest. Obviously, he's played lesser competition and plays in a more hitter-friendly ballpark, but 
He's dude, he's right up there in the race. He's, he's, hey, I got to see I got to see Wake pitch um, face a better arm. The probably the best arm they faced from Ball State Saturday night mm-hmm. or Friday night, whatever night. They still were business as usual. They were still hard, hard out. Every out was a hard out. Two, two, three, two, base hit. Two, two, three, two, rocket out. Home run. Like it was just like okay. Let's see. I, I don't know how much longer I, I can hold my uh, my narrative. I don't know how much longer I can hold it. ACC play rolled around. I might get buried, but let's see how they do. Again, one, two, three, one, two, three, good starters in a week. Here's a question. Here's a question for you. Is college baseball hitting just way higher right now than college baseball pitching? Or has pitching just gone down since what we used to? Because obviously people are throwing harder and their stuff is nastier. But it's but all right. It's, it's way more right down the middle. It, dude, everything is, is – Middle, middle. Middle, middle. You're right. And maybe the balls are juiced a lot. And maybe the bats are hotter than what they used to be. But it just feels like we're, we're getting so many teams scoring 10-plus runs in a game. And, you know, you, you'll see box scores now of 16 to 12 and an ACC versus SEC. A lot of homers. A mm-hmm. lot of walks and a lot of home runs. Hey, by the way, didn't you we get you get a DM from uh, Warstick? They wanted um, to clear yeah. the air about hot bat. Kind of funny. Yeah, so Warstick, um, who is making bats now that Texas Tech is using, and I think a couple other teams, uh, I guess they listened to the podcast and they thought that we were kind of coming off as saying that their bats are illegal and they're hot that way. No, 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 no. That's not what I meant. Uh, if if that's what it sounded like, I'm sorry. But I was saying hot as in the way the ball comes off the bat is incredible for those type of bats with Texas Tech. And I was like, wow, like, you know, it's a hot bat. Like it's a good bat to use right now. Um, obviously they pass all these tests and everything for BB core through the NCAA. I what he said where he was like, they are as hot as legally possible. Yeah, that's what he said. I was like, hey, that is a marketing line right there. As hot as legally possible. So it's cool if, to see. I don't know if you are looking cool. for a bat in the market. We'll just give them free publicity. Check out Warstick because they're as hot as legally possible. <laughs> it, it's good to see bat companies now that aren't your traditional Louisville Slugger, Easton, um, you know, DeMarini's. Bring Nike bat back, please. Bring the Nike Cherry Bomb back. That thing is hey, so no. loaded. The all-white Aero-Fuse Nike bat that Miami was swing. Oh, my God. Beautiful. And, uh, and they color-coded it with their orange bats, too. They had color-coded bat for their uniform. In- incredible. I would love to see what the hitting stats would be like if we had B- or BESR bats going right now because I know these things still meet BB core standards, and we're seeing home runs at a rapid rate. Home run derby in Omaha with the BESR. And the juice balls. <laughs> it might take a month to finish that home make, run derby. Make it. Same thing as MLB. Give everybody the stat. Let's see some 18 to 21-year-old kids hitting 450-foot, 475-foot home runs. That would be fun. That would be entertaining. Um, Bring back – so, look, here's three things. I, I didn't even have this written down, but you just triggered something that I wanted to talk about last episode that I didn't. Bring back the college home run derby in Omaha every year. They stopped doing it, I guess, right before COVID, uh, maybe the COVID season. They haven't brought it back. That needs to happen. That's electric television. We need to have also an all-star game. In Omaha, on one of the off days, you bring in guys, the best players in the country that maybe aren't draft eligible, and you use it kind of like the perfect game, All-American game for high school and the MLB All-Star game. You just let them play against each other, let the pitchers throw an inning each, 
let the hitters get two or three at bats, but that would be a lot of fun. And then drum roll here. This is my big idea I've been sitting on for over a year. The World Baseball Classic starts this week, coming up on hey, Wednesday. Want, I, I was going to say, you want to talk about the WBC at the end of this episode? I think it'd be a perfect time to give a little bonus talk about yeah. it. Yeah, well, we could do it at the end of the episode. But so the, the World Baseball Classic is starting this week, and it's Milo Dimitri's favorite event that comes on every four years, similar to the World Cup. It's you know professional baseball players from around the country – or sorry, around the world – <laughs> professional baseball players from around the world come and compete to see who the best country in baseball is. Team USA won it back in 2017, which was fun. And six years later, we're back for our next one. Anyways, college baseball should absolutely copy the world baseball classic structure of 20 teams in four or four different pools. So five teams in four different pools and have a world baseball classic like tournament but for conference all-star teams, and this is how it's going to work. And I'll, I'll briefly We've run by about this. It. We've talked about it, but I've never shared it publicly. But you get an SEC all-star team, ACC, you know, the tops, let's say the top 16 conferences get an all-star team. And then you get a JUCO all-star team, a D2, a D3, and an NAIA all-star team. So JUCO, NAIA, D2, and D3 get to choose players from all across the country. And then you get the top 16 conferences and you make an all-star team out of them and you play in, in, a, in a tournament, maybe in, let's call it July after the college world series and everything is done. You play in a world baseball classic style tournament televised, you know, top college prospects get to play people that didn't get drafted or eligible. And then obviously people that are eligible for the next season's draft. I mean, that would be absolutely incredible. Because if, if you took an all-star team from the Big West or you took an all-star team from the Conference USA or Sunbelt or American, obviously the SEC has the most, talented, or most talent from top to bottom. But I don't think the SEC or the Big 12 or the Pac-12 or the ACC would be a shoe-in to win the tournament. I think you could get teams that you, you take the top two or three best players from each team in the conference, and they would hang right in there with the big guys. And then don't even get me started on JUCO and D3, D2 and, and NAIA. There's top tier talent across the country that you get to pick from. That's something that needs to happen in 2027, that would be that would be four exciting. years from now. And then every year, not every four years, but every year it just happens over and over. And I promise you the TV ratings would be incredible. I promise you people would be interested. And I promise you the players would be all for it. So we can come up with a graphic, Dimitri. I think that'd be fun. Take the top 16 conferences. Um, according to Warren Nolan right now, the top 16 conferences are – I have it pulled up, but let me just get back into my um, get back into my phone here. So if we're looking at conference RPI, it goes like this. Um, but, yeah, no, it would be fun, but uh, I doubt so it here we go. Here we go. ever happen. It'll never happen. I'm not going to get my hopes up, but it should I mean, happen. We, can you? They will never put themselves in, in a spot to lose to NAIA, JUCO, D2, or D3 team. They'll never do it. Like that's just ask. That's just a lose lose situation. So that's why I don't think it'll ever happen. Um, so it, like obviously SEC, Pac-12, ACC, Sun Belt, Big Ten, American, Big 12, Missouri Valley, Big West. Um, uh, I'm going to skip those conferences for right now. Conference USA. A Sun Southern, there's 30 conferences. So you take the top half, and that would be 
it'd be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, if, I agree. Um, if anybody wants to fund this idea, I would gladly consult with you guys and we can put this together. We can make it work. If anybody wants to donate like $10 million, we can do it. So, hey, I, I was just thinking about this. We've got five undefeated teams remaining. Mm-hmm. NC State, Alabama, Virginia, Troy, and Wake Forest. I have their schedules pulled up, all of them pulled up in front of me. Of those five, who do you think is the last undefeated team? Well, I said it when there was 30, I think 36 teams remaining. I just saw Troy's logo and I said, I'm going to go with the Troy Trojans. I said it on the podcast, so there's a record of it. I did remember not, you did say Troy Trojans. I said did, Irvine. Yeah, I did not expect to see Troy in the last five remaining. But, yeah, it's – I don't know what their schedules look like. I'm going to stick with Troy, but I'm so sure – I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Okay. This week, this upcoming week, Alabama has Samford, Alabama State, Columbia. All right. That's pretty good. NC State has UNC Greensboro at Miami. Dead. They're not winning all four of those. Virginia has William and Mary at home at North Carolina Chapel Hill. Oof. Troy has Florida Gulf Coast for two, and then they go to Orlando to play UCF this weekend. Dead. Troy's out. <laughs> Wake Forest has Coastal at home Tuesday, and then they go to Duke. Okay. God, so, Coast, Coastal Wake Forest on Tuesday, the over-under is going to be 22 and a half. That is the classic game that Coastal win. Yeah, I know. And I also don't think – I think Samford could upset Alabama. Samford won't be bad. And they usually play Alabama and Auburn tough. I think, honestly, if – dude. Wait, is there one more team? If Irvine would have just gotten through UNLV, they'd still be undefeated with Loyola and one in 10 Gondaga. So, like – Was that all five teams? Was that all five teams? Yeah, those were all five. I just said I was bringing up Irvine. Like it wasn't a far fetched guess. Yeah, but anyway, Alabama, Stanford, Alabama State, Columbia, NC State's not making it through Sunday undefeated. They're not sweeping Miami on the road. No, Troy is out. They're not going to beat Florida Gulf Coast twice and then sweep UCF. Yeah, if if Troy does that, I will put them. We 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 will have to put them in front of. East Carolina, the number one team in the country. If, if, Troy, if Troy does that, I will buy a legitimate sword, like a Troy Trojan sword, and I will sign it and give it to one of our Patreon members. Okay, you have a deal. Troy Trojans go 5-0 and in the next five games. That would be unbelievable. Sweep Gulf Coast for two and then sweep UCF for three. That, that, that'd be impressive. Um, and then Wake Forest, Coastal and Duke. I think so. If you eliminate NC State, <coughs> NC State, and Troy, well, I think Virginia. Wait, what's Virginia's schedule? William Mary at home, and then at North Carolina. Yeah, I'm not liking that. I mean, the obvious Wake answer Forest, here is Alabama. Right? Duke, Al- Alabama's got the best shot. Yeah, UNC Greensboro. Who are they playing? Um, is it Wake Forest? No, no, no. Who? Who is UNC Greensboro playing the midweek? You, you rattled them off. With, oh, NC State. Yeah, that's an upset alert. NC or North Carolina Greensboro just swept Rutgers this past weekend. They're playing good ball. I would say Alabama's the Wake Forest or Alabama? Yeah. 
Um, I Duke's think, not I think, bad. Duke's I think scrappy. Just the way you got to go, the way you got to look at it is Alabama beat Stanford. They're going to beat Alabama State, and then they can they can sweep Columbia at home. Yeah, I think it's going to be Alabama. I mean, Wake Forest could easily beat Coastal and sweep Duke, but um, I think that's a much tougher road than Alabama. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Alabama. Here's something that I don't want to take credit for as a podcast, but I'm starting to notice a lot of these teams now scheduling super weak non-conference beginning of the year. And because they know once conference play happens, they're probably going to cool off and lose some games. But I think some of these teams are now buying into the hot, cold, hot theory. I think we've made it prevalent in the last four or five years of us doing this, where they're like, hey, we need to start the season hot. You know, Alabama's probably thinking, hey, we need to start the season hot, win a bunch of games. SEC play is going to come in. We're going to lose some. (laughs) This is a joke, by the way. Obviously, they don't listen. I would love to believe that conspiracy theory, but I highly doubt it's true as much as it breaks my heart that they don't they don't buy into it. But Alabama was they did the same thing last year and the year before. They scheduled super soft to start the year. Gotta get those wins in, baby. Well last year they had Texas, but outside of that Texas series, I think it was a pretty soft schedule. Did they get swept by Texas last year? They did. I think so, but I no, I think they might have won a game by like one run or something. Yeah, they, yeah, that was that was pretty much all they had last year. So, mm-hmm. yep, I, I mean that'll be fun. It's a fun little battle, final undefeated team. Of course, we know it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It doesn't really matter, but it's still fun. Who gets to stay undefeated the longest because the attention is on them, right? Um, what, was, what was something that you took away from this? Uh, so, ch- changing subjects here. I want to talk about this series just because it it used to be one of the best rivalries in college baseball. It still kind of is. But what was your takeaway from this Georgia-Georgia Tech series where Georgia absolutely manhandled Georgia Tech the first two games and then Georgia Tech out of nowhere throws a one run. Jack, Jackson Finley or Jack Finley from Georgia Tech throws an unbelievable game. He's also got like eight homers this year, two-way player for Georgia like Tech. Four or five, I think. No. Maybe six. He had five in a three-game span. He had three homers and then one and then one. I think he has six. You, you, I, think I think he has seven. Six. I think he has seven. All right. All right. Well, let's find out right now. Let's find out. He Mr. threw a Jackson. gym today anyway. against Georgia. So he threw a, a masterpiece anyway, against I Georgia think- and kept him into one one run. Um, but Georgia's not going to be a bad team in the SEC either. They, they lost opening day to Jacksonville State, and everybody was like, oh, this team's not going to be good. But they showed me a lot this weekend that they can hit. Six homers, Demetrius Three, four, five, six homers for Mr. Jackson Finley. Well, not uh, bad. So, what would you ask me? What do I think about the series? Yeah, what was the takeaway there? I think I think the biggest takeaway is Georgia Tech can't pitch. You say that, and then they throw a one run. Yeah, but but hey, quote unquote, that's baseball. That's baseball. <laughs> oh my god, that phrase that phrase grind my gears now because I know how sarcastic and a, sl- a slap in the face it is when someone just says, Oh, well that's baseball. It's um, like the typical youth league coach just saying it. Yeah, well that's baseball. Um anyway, I think Georgia showed they can hit, but I also think it showed Georgia Tech cannot pitch. And they, they cannot win they're gonna struggle winning Friday and Saturday night game. 
You know who's um, good though for Georgia Tech is is their closer Terry Busey. I think Bussy B U S S. He threw today. He looked good today. He's, he's thrown eight innings this year. Sixteen strikeouts, one walk, only three hits in eight innings, no runs. He's one of the best closers in the nation. Um, and then obviously like Jackson Finley's three starts, only giving up two runs, thirteen innings pitched. That's huge for him too. Um, but I mean it's that pitching is just going to get worn down in ACC play. So I'm not buying it, but their, their offense is good too, though. I mean, they've hit 20, hit 23 homers this year so far. Yeah. Um, hey, I think Georgia, I think Georgia is going to be better than people think in the SEC this year. It's so, it's tough to say Remember what I because what they is have they have pro prospect. They they they're they're just a team full of prospects that maybe people aren't giving them credit for it to win as a team. Who knows? But they have good players. They have a lot of good players. Okay, so I'll give you this scenario: who's who would win a series? South Carolina or Georgia? They're both in the SEC East. Both I, I think, think similar I, teams. I think I got to give the pitching edge to Georgia. Liam Sullivan, um, big lefty. Um, oh my God, why why is it so hard to remember? There's too many players, man. I I forget players' names all the time. I'll tell you right now. Yeah, there's ten thousand players in college baseball at the Division One level. Literally, thirty. How many? I think over ten thousand. Thirty-five man roster and three hundred and six teams, or three hundred and four teams. Yeah, over ten thousand players. Let me see if I can find Liam Sullivan, and then I'll I'll, I'll give you the the um what you call it. Sullivan. Liam Sullivan. Okay, Georgia. Sullivan got 15 innings, 0.59 ERA, 21 Ks and 15 innings. Um the rest of their pitching staff, let me even find the names of the other guys. Yep, yeah, Jaden Woods had a really good start, two good starts in a row, actually. So um, he had a good start. I I wanna I wanna touch on this. He was on the ropes the first two innings. He was not locating the ball, and he he kind of got bailed out with some swings at some pitches out of the zone from from Georgia Tech. But then he settled in and did really well after that. Got to got to credit him. But he's a good pitcher. Yeah, I mean, the only concern I have is Georgia has four other pitchers with a start. So that means not one guy has earned the Sunday role yet, mm-hmm. um, or one of the roles of the rotation. So. But I think Georgia. I think Georgia can be a team. I, I, I really like South Carolina. I do. I think they're gonna. When it's all said and done, they're gonna be a, a top twenty-five, top sixteen team fighting mm-hmm. for a regional hosting spot. But you know, you know how it goes. SEC breaks team. The SEC can destroy a team really fast. That schedule, man. It's 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 hell. It, it, it's week in, week out, the hardest thing to do in the country. So. We'll see. Um, but I think right now, today, I would give the edge to, to Georgia. But I think South Carolina had the edge as a team as a whole. All right, let me add in one more team then. Georgia, South Carolina, or Vanderbilt, who's going to finish in, let's just say, third place this year in the SEC East. I got to give it to Vanderbilt, just no? I got to give it to Vanderbilt, no? Yeah, I mean, Vanderbilt won two out of three against UCLA last weekend, and then they lose to Nebraska on Friday in this in this Minnesota tournament. And I'm like, wow. They were shell-shocked football field up north, just a different environment. They weren't, they weren't ready for it. They weren't ready for that that quirky environment that they were in. 
But then they go and no hit uh, Minnesota. Now, granted, Minnesota is 0-11 this year. But throwing a no hitter like that, I mean, you got to respect it. Shows that everybody was locked in on the mound. Um, but for me, between those three teams, I think they've all shown signs of greatness and they've all shown signs of, let's call it, I don't want to say weakness, but not greatness. And, of course, Vanderbilt has the track record for, you know, the recency bias. South Carolina baseball school as well. Georgia, really good at baseball. Um, I think right now I'd have to give the edge to South Carolina, though, out of those three teams. I, I really like South Carolina's pitching. I know you just said Georgia's pitching is better, but South Carolina well, – Hold on. Let me, let, me just re, let me reiterate something. I think Georgia pitching is better. But I think South Carolina, when it's all said and done, will be the better team, which includes pitching, hitting, everything. Well, I think it's no question that out of those three teams, Vanderbilt has the best pitching. But Vanderbilt's yeah, offense yeah. Isn't, isn't as good as the other two. And that's why it's it's tough. It's tough to pick. I, oh, I would so look. hold up. Let's, let, let's, let's stop this conversation and talk about the South Carolina Clemson series because there's a little, lot of little fun nuggets to discuss from that series. Hey, go for it. You're up. So, first of all, if you, if you aren't familiar, Clemson was reeling. They were they were tumbling and dumbling down down Clemson Hill, Tiger Hill, with lo- four straight losses. Cle- South Carolina at um, Doug Kingsmore, they win. And everybody's like, oh, my God, oh, my God. Where are all the South Carolina fans at now? They said they were going to just sweep us. They were going to be mousy all weekend. They were going to just kick our, their ass. Um mm-hmm. Clemson won Friday night. Here's a little fun nugget from that game. Dylan Brewer, former Clemson Tiger, transferred to South Carolina, hitting the ground ball double play, and their fans were just – they just were – they were loving it. They were loving it. And I'm just like, first of all, this is nothing against Dylan Brewer or anybody. Think I don't want to single anyone out. But, Ben, I just, I just don't understand it, and I could see never see myself doing it. I just don't get the concept. How do you transfer – from one school to his literally biggest rival. Alex Terrell did it going from Miami to Florida State. People have done it. How how do you do that? How do you do it? I, I would never. I, I would never transfer to a Sanford or a Wofford or a UNC Greensboro. Never in my life would I ever go to those schools. You but would never. You were at Rice. Would you transfer to Houston? No. Hell no. Unless, I mean, if you had a bad experience at that school and you hate the coaching staff, I could see you just – sticking the middle finger up and saying, I'm going to go to your rival and, and I'm going to beat you now. I, that would be the only scenario. He might, I mean, he, I don't want to speak for him, but he probably had a terrible experience at Clemson. And maybe, 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 we don't know maybe Eric, maybe Eric Backish didn't offer him a scholarship when he was coming in. And he was like, you know what? I'm going to stick it to Clemson now. Or, or he wanted to stay close to home and South, he wanted to stay in the SEC, ACC, something. Maybe. We don't know details. But I just think it's a weird dynamic that I could never do. I could never be at Miami, transfer to Florida, Florida State. I could never be at Mercer. I would have never. Like, when I got hurt, when I was waiting on my waiver for a medical red shirt, I was starting, I was looking at transferring. And George and Georgia Tech were off the board, immediately off the board. No, ch- no chance I would even consider them. I was looking at the whole state of Florida with Miami, UCF, um, FAU, um, like schools I would go to for my fifth year. Um, Florida A&M? Were they Florida on the A&M was on there, yeah. 
She'll pitch in the Rattler Dome. Wrong, wrong. But yeah, so like I just couldn't. You couldn't. Georgia. I couldn't even. No, Georgia Southern wouldn't even. Couldn't even make that list. You kidding me? Go from Mercer to, to one of those Georgia schools? No way. I couldn't do it. I could not be happy with my decision and say that it was the right decision. And especially the following season, suiting up against them when I put so much blood, sweat, and tears for that program to mm-hmm. now be on the other side of the line and say that I want to beat them, it wouldn't work. I couldn't do it. That's the same thing I'm thinking is I wouldn't be able to line up against the guys that like, or my friends and people that I used to room with and go on vacations with and travel on the bus with. Worked out. Yeah. I just, not for me. So there, there has to be some reason why he did it. I, I don't know why, but finish your point. Jonathan French, Jonathan French did it too, which is even crazier. Two guys from mm-hmm. the same team went to South Carolina from Clemson at the same time. Well, heck didn't their coach also go to South Carolina? Who? I could be way wrong there. What do you say? It doesn't. I, I don't. I don't want to say it. It make me sound like an idiot. Who's South Carolina's assistant coach? <laughs> Before we go any oh, further. Oh, 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 no, yeah, he did it. Um, okay. uh, Monty Lee. Monty Lee went from head coach of South uh, Clemson to hitting coach, recruiting coordinator of South Carolina. Okay, that was. I was like, I'm ninety nine percent sure oh, no, that no. If I said I didn't that. Say that. I didn't say that to be like, what the hell do you say? I meant like, I didn't know who you said. I didn't hear the name. I said it and you were like, wait, who? And I was like, uh-oh, I could be thinking of somebody completely different um, yeah. right now. I think coaching is way different than playing. Coaching, well, you don't, you're not, it's not the same type of investment emotionally. Well, that's, a, that's another reason it could have been. Maybe they had a good relationship with Monty Lee and he's like, hey, Come on over with me in South that, Carolina. That might, that, that could, you know what? That I didn't even think think about that. That might, that could be a big decision into it too. Mm-hmm. Um, following your coach, but still, still throwing on the garnet, the garnet in black after wearing the purple and orange. That I just couldn't do it. When you go home in your closet, you have Clemson shirt, you have South Carolina dry fit shorts. Like what? I would be like, <laughs> dude, one of these has got to go. I can't have both of these in my in my wardrobe. That's a fact. You cannot have both. So <laughs> you've got to burn um, everything else. But anyway, to finish that series, um, they went to Greenville Saturday. It, it was like, oh shit, Clemson's about to win this series. People are going to be eating their words real quick. Nope, South Carolina heated up real quick, and that's when I knew the series was over. When Clemson or South Carolina took the lead and then blew it open and won that, I knew they were going to win at home in Founders Park. And sure enough, they won today, seven to one, pretty convincingly. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, Clemson, Clemson impressed me a little bit on Friday and Saturday, but show and fight. Yeah. Show and fight. I think that's going to play long-term in the ACC. Like I, I would see them hanging in there with, you know, most of the teams, maybe, I don't know about Wake Forest, how good they are, but you know, even a team like Miami, I could see Clemson winning a series from just because of the pure fight. Obviously it probably wouldn't happen, but, um, hey, just don't get swept, and you you have a chance. If you yeah. stay all season without getting swept, you will always have a fighting chance to make the postseason. And that's and the season resets after that. If you can just prolong this this marathon of a season and just not get swept, win win your home series, and then on the road win one out of three, you, you'll make the postseason. And then, sure enough, like the young talent that you have, they're a lot more yep. a, a lot more mature and, and older. And they can carry you deep into the postseason. Hey, I don't know if you have any other topics in mind, but I wanted to talk about the Big West a little bit. Let's do it, man. Let's dive into that that great 
classic conference there. I love the Big, Big West. Dude, we love the West. It's though. impossible to say Big West without just smiling. Big West. <laughs> I think it's a three-team race. I mean, Maybe obviously. a four-team race with two, the top two being a little stronger than the other two. Let me guess. Santa Barbara guess. and Irvine. I think Santa Barbara and Irvine. Yep, Santa Barbara, Santa Barbara, Irvine, Barbara Irvine, your front runner. Irvine, as of today, right now, I'm like, fuck, dude. I wish I picked Irv. I, I wish I took the eater. Um, and then you've got Long Beach and Fullerton, and they all had good weekends. Fullerton won two out of three. Yeah, in the in the Augie Augie Garrido Classic, Fullerton won two out of three against Texas, and there was some tempers flaring at the end of the game. Um. Texas felt like they were being disrespected. Yeah, Texas felt like they were being disrespected a little bit. Fullerton walked them off, and there was a little dust up in the outfield. No punches thrown or nobody making contact with each other. But, uh, yeah, big series win for Fullerton. They're a lot better than what they have been in the last few years. And I think the big thing with them is, like, they're finally putting good at-bats together. It it felt like there was a five-year stretch where they had maybe one or two good hitters in the lineup, and the rest were – pretty bad they they put they, they've been putting together good at bats consistently this here, season here's a really interesting thing about fullerton um so tw- i'm just going to go from 21 from 2021 2022 2023 i'm going to show you i'm going to i'm going to show you something so we're going to start with 2021 i'll say fullerton in 2021 opened the season with um Utah was 2020. Oh, yeah, that was like the COVID schedule weirdness. So 2021 doesn't really count. But anyway, they started the season really bad. They lost a whole bunch of games. Um, they won one series against Utah. But anyway, they lost a whole bunch of games. They usually play Stanford every year. And I'm going to go back to 2020 because I think, what did we get, three or four weeks in in 2020? Yeah. Up until so, literally like this week. This. this is interesting. All right. They opened the year two out of three. They beat Stanford. And then they lost a series to Tulane. Lost a series to San Francisco. Got swept by Arizona State. Got swept by Texas. So after beating Stanford, they just disappeared. They were horrendous. That was 2020. 2021, they didn't have Stanford. Scheduling was a little bit off. Weird. This year, or 2022, they played Stanford to open the year. They lost two out of three got swept by Gonzaga, got swept by Pepperdine, and didn't win their first series till um, second weekend of March against Loyola Marymount. And then they lost to Santa Barbara. So you're like, oh, same thing again this year. They lose two out of three to Stanford, hard fought, a little better this year, lost to Michigan. They get a series win against Texas. Texas up or down is an emotional big win. Name brand school, it always feels good to be Texas. Um, so my point is, this year seemed a little bit different. They were they most in the past year they would have gotten swept or lost the series against Texas easily. Yeah, and this is a much better team now. I wouldn't even put them in the same category as an Irvine or UC Santa Barbara. I don't but know. they're they're definitely in the step below where sure things could shake out and maybe they go on a tear here and win fifteen out of twenty games and then they put themselves in an at large picture, but. I still think Fullerton's one year away from the tournament. I think they still have one more year before they're going to make a regional. If if the Big West gets three ten teams in the postseason this year, I promise you right now one of them will be in a super. 
If they can, if they get three teams in, one of those three will be in a super. Do you I, agree? Is that a hot take? Do you agree or no? No, I mean, I, I, I could see both Santa Barbara and Irvine in a super regional. Potentially one of them in Omaha too. Long Beach State, I'm not sold on yet, even though I was very impressed with them. Play, I watched the whole East Carolina game. Long Beach State rose to the occasion, and they just shut down uh, the Pirates. It was a, it was a fun game to watch. It was low scoring, and both teams were just pitching the hell out of the ball. Yep. But this it's a tough place to win. At. This is the happiest I've been, or most confident in the outlook of the Big West. Um, Finally, been we've been robbed the last three years of, of good Big West baseball. We thought we were going to have it last year when Long Beach State won two out of three against Mississippi State to uh, start the season, and they fell off a cliff fast. And you know what's crazy? I texted you this earlier. I don't know where I was in 2021, but I did not remember Irvine making a regional and winning 43 games and winning the Big West. Like I thought yeah. Santa Barbara, I thought Santa Barbara was on like a three year run of winning the big West. I don't know how I forgot 2021 Irvine. 2021 was a blur to me. I can't remember much about it either. I don't remember much. I mean, yes, Miss, I do remember Mississippi state winning the national title. So, but that's about it. Can we talk about, can we switch gears from the big West just to briefly mention some teams like Mississippi state? Um, wow. Mississippi state ended up winning today against Cal, but this was, a weekend where it showed that they still have just big question marks on the mound. I didn't see any of their games this weekend. I, I didn't watch them either because I wasn't going to pay for a subscription to really only one game that I wanted to watch. But just looking at the box scores and seeing clips on Twitter, they, they have a lot to figure out on the mound. Now their offense hey, I need pretty to, solid. I need to I need to hit a, a halt on this episode real quick and do a breaking news. Texas A&M and Texas Tech are heading to the bottom of the 14th inning. Are you kidding me? Oh, dude, it was like two to one whenever I stopped watching when we started recording the podcast. I was just A&M scored one in the ninth to tie it two two. Damn, we missed all that. For bottom of the 14th inning, two two. That that's being streamed live on Twitter right now. I might just pull that up on my phone. Um. So yeah. That's a, I mean, other than that, I think that's pretty much all I've got from this weekend. Um, let's. Do you want to talk about WBC at all, um, or do you want to do that another time, or and just look at the midweeks and kind of preview next weekend a little bit before? This we is what we're gonna up? do right now. I'm gonna yes, live sir. broadcast the bottom of the 14th inning. Texas Tech first pitch of the bottom of the 14th. I can't tell who's pitching and who's hitting. But weak ground ball to third base, get him out by two steps, one down. Man, I, I hope this goes 18 innings here. I really do. Yeah, it looks like a chopper to third base. I got it pulled up on Twitter right now. Strong throw gets him. I hope we see like a walk-off home run. I can just give a live reaction here. All right, one down, pitch clock in hey, full effect. Texas Tech, if they find a way to win this one, it's a good weekend for them. They would be considered a winner. Yeah, they got shut out by Rice big time on Friday morning. All right, we got Cash at the plate for Texas Tech, and I'm laughing because his first swing, he spiraled and fell down. Legitimate corkscrew. Lefty on lefty matchup. That was funny. He just straight up whiffed, lost his footing, and fell straight back towards the umpire. <laughs> um, 
So this is what we're doing. We are doing a live reaction on air of this game. Oh, now we have an umpire. Umpire calls time and is saying that Cash is not in the batter's box because you can't see the batter's box lines anymore. I don't know if he issued a strike or anything, but... He is saying that Cash is too far back. He is setting up too far back. Poor and Cash he... just spun through. I mean, he just spun through a uh, a fastball in, fell down. Of course, his head's not in the right place, and uh, he just grounded out to first base and is hobbling. He must have rolled his ankle pretty bad. So the one-one from Texas A&M, and he delivers, and it's a swing and foul ball down the first base. Oh, it's a no, fair it's ball. Fair. I just announced that, dude. Are you listening? So he just dribbled what? one of the first basemen. I'm ahead of you. Oh, okay. Well, then this isn't going to work. We can't do a color commentary of this game. Um, when is when is uh, when is a uh, a young coming up to the plate? Hey, <laughs> so while we're kind of having this game in the background, watching, I'm gonna I pulled up the Tuesday schedule. Um, yeah, let's preview the midweek. You go ahead and preview the midweek while I watch this game. I'll let you know. Oh, that's that's, that's that's fair. I have to sit here and look at game. Um, so this for the midweek we've got we already talked about it Wake Forest at Coastal Carolina and Conway um that's a good matchup I think I could you could easily see Wake Forest unbeaten streak ending there um what other games do we have oh by the way I wanted to mention something that really pissed me off today UCF Georgia Southern game three rubber match big game no stream Nothing. No stream, dude. I was so heated. I was like, "Are you are you serious right now?" Like, but but it is what and it that's is. A, that's a slap in the face to Georgia Southern, who has one of the best ESPN broadcasts out there. ESPN yep. Plus um, broadcast. I mean, UCF is on their way to the Big Twelve next year. Like, you should have a, you should be streaming most games. You're a big time school. Um. Anyway. Anyways. FAU goes to Florida. That's a really good game. Um, Georgia Southern is at Georgia. Ooh. But they're playing in Augusta. So Georgia, the home team in Augusta. That's a good one. That's, that'll be a great crowd. Georgia Southern got momentum again. Georgia's got momentum beating Georgia Tech. There'll be a lot of fans there. Uh, Florida Gulf Coast at Troy, we talked about. UTSA at Texas State, I like that one. Hey, UTSA is a um, sleeper team this year. They're really good. Southern Miss at Ole Miss at Swayze. Oh, we're going to the top of the 15th inning. And then just struck out Texas Tech's last hitter. I can't see which players are which. Sorry, I'm not dropping names here. But, yeah, top of the 15th, 1 a.m. Eastern time. Well, we're going to go. You have it pulled up right now? Is that what you're listening to? Yeah, I got a. Uh, can you hear it? Yeah, I can hear it. I uh, I'm clipping it, so you guys can just be. We are live, right in the cut of this. Swing and a miss. There's uh 216 people watching the live stream right now for this game. Everybody's up past their bedtime. Um. Anyway, so uh, for yeah. kids. Let me let me turn the volume off of this thing. Okay, cool. Um, 
And yeah, I think that's pretty much all the midweek. Southern Miss and Ole Miss is a big time one. Arizona, Grand Canyon, that's a good one. Pepperdine, no, Pepperdine or uh, Santa Barbara, I don't care. <laughs> Pepperdine, no. And, yeah. Um, yeah, but that's it. I think, but there is a lot of good games. So Tuesday should be another fun day of college baseball. What and we can do WBC for the WBC starts Wednesday night. Yeah, what we can do for the WBC, maybe if Dimitri and I can coordinate our schedules, we can release a bonus episode previewing the uh, World Baseball Classic on Tuesday night, release it Wednesday, so everybody can be up to speed there. And, yeah, I mean, I think we should do it. Yeah. Um... I don't know how many people are interested in the World Baseball Classic, but we'll sure find out. All right. Well, this was a this was a very slow way to end our episode. I'm sorry to all the listeners. We kind of dragged this on, but you know, anytime there's a game in the 15th inning at 1 a.m., we're going to be interested in it. It's going to distract you a little bit. Um, yeah. But yeah, if you want to join our Discord, dollar um, ninety nine a month gets you access to the Discord. It's fun. We talk about all kinds of stuff in there. You get you get to talk to us on a more personal personable level. Um, it's easier. It's, it's it's more authentic than on Twitter. Um, for, I'm sure I have a bunch of haters now, which is unfortunate. But I guess that comes with this territory. Comes with not being able to make everybody happy. Do I like it? No. Do I prefer it? No. I don't want everyone to hate me. But it did is you what just it tweet is. something from the 11.7 account? Just now. Yeah. Just right now. Yeah. Uh, the reason why I asked is because it went from about 216 people watching to over 300. And I was like, huh, that was a big jump there for the live stream. Well, but, check it. Um, oh, wow. You tweeted something and it went down to 287. Yep. We, <laughs> we, uh, well, I just tweeted the game and the link. So, all right. I'm watching it. It's going back up 294. 296. All right, well, hey, that's it. Yeah, check the Discord if you guys want to hang out with us, talk with us. Um, we, I think we are going to have more contests and challenges coming up soon. And also working on our store shop. It, it, it's going to be pretty cool. So I hope you guys enjoy that. Stay tuned for that. Enjoy your Monday, and we will see you next time. Yes, sir. I'll have a good one. We won a national championship for, for Ole Miss and um, all the past players and all the fans across the country and for the state of Mississippi and the University of Mississippi. Uh, we did it. Uh, we're national champs. Breaking ball. Oh, my goodness. Deep right field. A grand slam. Base hit. Arkansas. Tommy White. First pitch swinging. In the air to center. D'Onofrio back and it's gone! The legend continues! Got him swinging! The Campbell Campbells, the dynasty of the Big South. And now Tony Vitello bumps the third base umpire. Set. He'll throw. That is a line drive in the gap. Did he do it again? It is another ball in the gap for Morrell. Another extra. Oh, that is.
gone. A home run for Brian Morrell. Swinging a ball driven. Way back. And foul. No, gone. He did it. Ortiz kept it just bare and walks it off with a grand slam. That one is launched. Where will it land? The Hispanic Titanic with a blast again. <laughs> Melendez doesn't get cheap.